Welcome into the Solo Shot Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Dom Mana. Happy Solo Shot Saturday, everybody. The Solo Shot Swag Tracker is up to $14.69. Nice. If you're interested in seeing the daily updates for the Solo Shot Tracker, definitely check out my TikTok at Solo Shot Sports. Beautiful Saturday morning here. Baseball season is pushing the halfway point. And the Cincinnati Reds, a team that I highlighted a few weeks ago about Ellie De La Cruz coming up and giving them a spark, they're in first place. And not only are they in first place, but their 11-game, now 12-game winning streak is their longest since 1957, back in the days of a young Frank Robinson. This Cincinnati Reds team is electric. They sold out the crowd in an 11 to 10 victory against the first place Atlanta Braves last night. Insane showing. But we talk about Ellie De La Cruz, the young injection to this baseball team. But the old injection of Joey Votto, he still bangs. First game back, home run. And now against the Braves last night, a home run to tie the game and a home run to take the lead. Really awesome to see Cincinnati baseball. It's a great baseball town. I talked about it before. A lot of people just kind of forgot because they haven't been so good the last decade or so. But they deserve this as baseball fans. And while Joey Votto and Ellie De La Cruz at the two opposite ends of the age spectrum are going to be the ones we talk about, Ellie De La Cruz hit for the cycle last night in six innings. He is unbelievable, made an amazing running catch down the left field line. It is a really great time to be a Cincinnati Reds fan. And it's not just because of those two names that I keep going back to. Jonathan India, Jake Fraley, and Spencer Steer. They lead the way. They got double-digit power. Three guys that have just been really quality for them. Both have All of them have seven-plus stolen bases as well. Just really good players there. And then you look at the pitching staff. You cannot forget the pitching staff with this Reds team. I know Nick Lodolo is on the IL. But him and Graham Ashcraft got off to really good starts. Hunter Green, the flame-throwing pitcher is finally turning a corner for this Reds team and looking like he could be a top-of-the-line starter. And Alexis Diaz, 21 for 21 in save opportunities, including last night. He is lights out, related to Edwin Diaz, the trumpet king. And how about Andrew Abbott? They just keep calling up pitchers from the minor leagues and they're coming out here and throw in three straight scoreless starts. There's something in the water in Cincinnati right now and everyone's starting to take notice now that they're in first place. This is a division where no matter who wins it, whether it's a chalky team like Milwaukee or St. Louis that rebounds or a surprise team like Pittsburgh or Cincinnati, this division, everyone is saying stinks, 
I think it is some of the most exciting baseball going on right now. We move over to second base, though. A team that has been successful all season long, the Tampa Bay Rays, man. They have just been fantastic. They have stayed in first place on my power rankings the entire season, despite me incorrectly leaving them out of my playoff picture. But Wander Franco, their star shortstop, he gets benched Thursday due to frustrations. Kevin Cash cites it to having trouble transitioning to being a major league player. And Wander Franco, 22 years old, got a $182 million extension. And he's getting benched here because he's not hustling to first base. He is slamming his bat down and bringing bad energy back to the locker room when he gets out. It's not great to see a young player that you have both financially and marketing wise made the face of your team getting benched, especially when you're having such a historic start to the season. Wander Franco, I'm hoping he'll be back in the lineup today. He rejoined the dugout last night in an 11-3 route over the Royals. But Wander Franco, the beginning of the season, he made arguably the defensive play of the year, running into foul territory in left field and making a over-the-shoulder catch. And now he goes from making a really cocky ball flip to himself on a routine play to getting benched for frustrations. This Tampa Bay Rays team does not care about egos. They don't really want superstars. But when you have a switch-hitting young stud in Wander Franco, someone who was one of the most hyped prospects in this last decade, benching him and doing these things, we've seen it work in the past, and we've seen it really unravel other situations. So I'm interested to see if he'll have a bounce back like Luis Robert did with the Chicago White Sox, or if this is going to be a Tyler O'Neill situation where it's a problem pretty much the whole rest of the way. Wander Franco is just too dang talented to be on your bench. I don't care what your record is. The Rays honor themselves as a team that likes to platoon and do all different kinds of things to play matchups and analytics. But if you look at Wander Franco this season, he has a 3.8 war, which is second in the major leagues right now. And his slash line is 287, batting average 349 on base and a 455 slug at the shortstop position that's very good 41 runs scored 82 hits eight home runs 34 rbis 24 stolen bases in a 126 ops plus he's 26 percent better than the average shortstop and that is just amazing the rays arguably best players between him and yandy diaz honestly randy orosarena as well you got these three guys that should be in the lineup every single day and you can platoon everywhere else and make it work. But seeing him there 21 years old, getting the bag like that. And then to kind of flip the script and publicly say that he needs to grow up. Basically it's not the best look from an organization that is usually drama free and very quiet in their operations. But the topic that I want to get into the most today is exercising your right to vote, people. The all-star finalists for the starters for the 2023 all-star game in Seattle have been named. I'm going to give you my opinion on 
who should be getting the vote. Now, this is obviously a popularity contest. There were guys that were left off that are having better seasons than some of the guys that are in the finals. You saw the Atlanta Braves fans, the Toronto Blue Jays fans, and the Texas Rangers fans really show out in the polls this year and get their guys into the finals. Ronald Acuna already making it with over 3 million votes in the National League in the outfield, and Shohei Otani with 2.6 million votes as the DH in the American League. Those two are locked in, but the rest of the lineups have to be made. We're going to start in the National League here, and the catching matchup is really fun. Dodgers-Braves, the two best teams in the National League, in my opinion. Sean Murphy, who's came over from Oakland, has been a stalwart both defensively as well as 12 home runs offensively. Really good case for the All-Star game. Going up against Will Smith, who is looking for his first All-Star game nod. It's a shame that he didn't make it last year. He's one of the biggest snubs. And I hope that if Will Smith doesn't win this vote against the Braves fans, that he will at least be on the All-Star roster. 10 home runs this season. And in a year where the Dodgers are having a lot of injuries, He's been a stalwart in that lineup. I would vote for Sean Murphy over Will Smith. Then we go to another Dodgers-Braves matchup. It's power versus overall player. And that's Freddie Freeman versus Matt Olson. The swap that was made in Atlanta at first base. Freddie Freeman's batting 323, people. 14 bombs, leads the league in doubles, and is just a really consummate professional at the plate. Matt Olson, he's got 21 home runs. He's got 50-something RBIs. But he's having an Adam Dunn-like season in terms of power. He's batting in the low 200s. And is a guy that, even though he's younger and probably a slightly better defender than Freddie Freeman, I don't think that he should be starting the All-Star game over Freddie Freeman. So Freeman gets my vote there. This one for my buddy Jake out there. Luis Arise versus Ozzy Albies. I did not know that Ozzy Albies actually currently leads the National League in RBIs at 53. That does make this decision a little tougher. But when you're batting over 400, you're in the national spotlight. How does Luis Arise not start this year's All-Star game if Albies gets the nod over him for anything other than an injury? It will just show that the Voting process needs to change a little bit. Lindor versus Orlando Arcia. This is another case where Orlando Arcia, eighth-year players having a career year, batting 333 as the main shortstop for the Atlanta Braves. But Francisco Lindor is carrying a Mets offense that has struggled all year. Very good defender, a true star in this game. I don't know how you vote. Arcia over Lindor. I get the first half stats look a little bit better for Arcia from batting average, but overall, I mean, Lindor is the all-star. Arenado versus Riley. As you see, the Braves, every single spot in the infield, they have a finalist. Arenado, though, started the season off ice cold. Since May, has been batting 300 Doing his regular thing, he's improved defensively. He started off the year really bad on defense, surprisingly. And he's the best third baseman in the game today. If, if Nolan Arenado isn't starting over Austin Riley, I don't care where the Cardinals are in the standings. He's having a phenomenal year. More home runs, more RBIs. Arenado is the NL third baseman to me. 
This is another one of popularity versus results. Bryce Harper is matched up against J.D. Martinez for the NLDH spot. Bryce Harper, he's the star, the guy that everyone wants to see in the All-Star game, and he started the year hurt. J.D. Martinez has been putting up really good offensive statistics, helping that Dodgers team stay afloat in the NL West while they work through injuries. I want to see the stars, man. I want to see Bryce Harper there in the All-Star game. And if he doesn't get in through the fan vote, I don't think that he's going to be one of the Phillies representatives. I think you'll see guys like Nick Castellanos and Bryson Stott possibly get the nods instead, JT Real Muto as well. So I would vote for Bryce Harper there over JD Martinez and the outfield. There's two spots because Acuna is already in. Mookie Betts and Corbin Carroll just should be the all-star nods. They really should be. Mookie Betts is one of the greatest stars of a generation. Corbin Carroll is the new hotness, is leading the Arizona resurgence this year. But then you got Lourdes Gurriel, who's been an amazing veteran asset to those same Diamondbacks. And you got Michael Harris Jr., who had the biggest sophomore slump to begin the season, but has really raised all of his statistics over the last 16 games. And of course, he plays for the Braves, so he got a lot of votes. If Betts and Carroll aren't in the outfield with Ronald Acuna, I think that it's going to be through an injury because those should be the two guys, and they've been the guys that I was continually voting for in the NL outfield with Acuna on the prior ballots. The AL gets a little more interesting. Same kind of deal. Rangers and Blue Jays fans really showed out in the priors. Adley Rutschman versus Jonah Heim. Now, Rutschman... Again, this is kind of a star versus production thing. Rutschman leads the American League in walks with 49 and is a switch hitting guy who is the face of this Baltimore Orioles resurgence, a guy that I expect to be in multiple all-star games. And Jonah Heim is a 27-year-old catcher who's driven in a lot of runs in the best offense in the American League, a guy that is a very good framer behind the plate. I want to see the stars, though. Adley Rutschman to me. Over Jonah Heim, I think they'll both be all-stars, but Rutschman should be in the starting lineup. Vladimir Guerrero versus Yandy Diaz. If the Rays don't have at least one starter in the all-star game, this again will show the faults with the current all-star voting setup. Yandy Diaz has better numbers, both batting average-wise, analytically, and counting stats than Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I understand Vladdy is a big star and everybody loves him. He'll probably get there anyway, but Yandy Diaz should probably be the first baseman for the American League. And now here's where I plant my flag. I want you to vote Marcus Simeon for the 2023 All-Star Game. He is matched up against Whit Merrifield, who again is another super underrated player. He plays in Toronto. He's got Double-digit stolen bases. He's batting near 300. He's a good player. But Marcus Simeon, who I've went on record saying he is the sneakiest active Hall of Famer today, he not only leads the league in plate appearances, but he has played all 75 games for the Texas Rangers, the number one offense in baseball, as the tone setter, the lead-off hitter. He's the guy that has 2.8 war on the season, which is top 10 in baseball and has just been a consummate pro 
Ever since he made the move from shortstop to second base, he's been one of the best second basemen in the game. And I think that it's a slam dunk that he should be getting in over Whit Merrifield. It's going to be really interesting as we've seen the Texas Ranger fans and Blue Jays fans really go after the polls, which one of them is actually going to come out on top on this one. But I think if you're looking at popularity plus the statistics, Marcus Simeon should check both boxes. Shortstop position, Bo Bichette versus Corey Seager. Corey Seager, since coming off the injured list, has been arguably the best hitter in the American League. He has been amazing. Bo Bichette has played the entire season. He leads the league in hits, and it's got amazing flow, man. I would vote for Bo Bichette. I think they're both going to be all-stars, and this is one where it's kind of a coin flip. That's one where I don't feel too specific either way, but I'll give it to the guy who's played the full season. Third base, again, another Texas Blue Jays matchup. You see these guys really came out in the polls. Matt Chapman having a career year against your American League Rookie of the Year, Josh Young. Man, I feel good about that one. Chapman is in a contract year. He's the better defender. He has a couple stats that he's behind Young in, but to me, Matt Chapman between these two should be there. It's a shame that these are the two finalists for the American League third base spot because that makes it seem to me that a Rafael Devers or a Jose Ramirez could get snubbed from the All-Star game this year, um, which would be an absolute shame. That position is loaded, especially in the American League right now. But we will see what happens. The American League has six outfield finalists because there's three spots open instead of two in the National League. Aaron Judge, Mike Trout, Randy Rosarina, Jordan Alvarez, and Adolis Garcia. You notice I named five because the Toronto fans really did it with this one. This is maybe the most ridiculous example of this voting format they're using. Kevin Kiermeyer is a finalist in the American League. He's having a career year. Don't get me wrong. This is his best hitting season of his career. He's one of the best defensive outfielders in baseball. But to start the All-Star game, Judge, he's not going to be healthy for the game. To me, if you're going off production, it's a Rosarena, uh, Garcia, and Alvarez. But likely because of injuries and popularity, it's going to be Trout, a Rosarena, and Garcia. I'm happy with any combination of those five. If Judge or Alvarez are healthy enough to start the all-star game, I'd love to see them out there. They're two of the best hitters in the game. But I think Trout and Rosarena are locks. Garcia's that guy where if Alvarez isn't healthy, he'll likely get the nod in the starting outfield. He's been having a fantastic year, including a go-ahead home run last night against the Yanks. And as we... Round third base here on the Solo Shot Sports Podcast. We throw it back to this day in baseball history and talk about the amazing events that have happened throughout the years. And there was a lot of good ones, but to me, it would be off-brand if for the Solo Shot Sports Podcast, I didn't throw it back to June 24th, 2018, where this day in baseball history, the Los Angeles Dodgers broke the record for most solo home runs hit in a game in an 8-7 to win over the New York Mets. 
Seven solo shots were hit by the Dodgers in this game. It is an amazing sign in time to the three true outcomes in baseball. The walk, the strikeout, and the home run. The fact that guys aren't getting on base because they're swinging for the fences and there's nobody on base in front of them, so there's solo home runs, which as you see from my counter, that number has been rising over 100 every single week. It's been amazing. Just counting the solo home runs where nobody's on and the Dodgers in that game, Kike Hernandez hit two of them. Justin Turner hit the last one to break the record at seven. It was previously six. Solo home runs aren't getting the love that they deserve, but getting those runs on the board when you have all this offense, every run counts, whether you have an ace on the mound that's going to win a game one nothing, or you have two really good offenses going at it like you had with the Reds in Atlanta the other day where it ends 11-10. to 10. Those solo shots end up mattering in the end. And I'm going to keep preaching and keeping the solo shots relevant. I'm going to add that swag to them. And I had to throw it back to that moment in history where the Mets lost a game by one run, giving up seven solo shots. As we round out the show today, there was a mock trade for Shohei Otani that kind of went viral. And every time I look at it, I just get sick. This was from Bo Porter at MLB Network. And in this trade, the Mets receive Shohei Otani for three months before he's a free agent. The last three years, $120 million of Anthony Rendon's corpse. Hunter Renfro, Mr. Always Gets Traded, and Chris Davinsky, a guy who's kind of in between the bullpen and rotation. The Angels receive top prospect who's been in the major leagues, Brett Beatty. Eduardo Escobar was in this trade who actually got traded mid-inning last night to the Angels, surprisingly. So that part of the trade still stands. Starling Marte, another great player that's been traded a lot in his career. Tyler McGill, who is very similar to Davinsky. And then their number one prospect, Parada. Their number four prospect, Mauricio. Their number five prospect, Tidwell. And their number six prospect, Dominic Hamill. I understand the Mets do not care about the luxury tax. They have spent $343 million on this current roster. But to be honest, it is amazing to see how many people have just assumed that a team like the Mets that has the money to sign Otani would give up four of their top five or six prospects and also take on on top of the five to 600 million you're having to pay Otani three years, 120 million of Anthony Rendon's below average play. This trade, it just doesn't make any sense. I don't care how badly you want to get first dibs to try to talk to and sign Otani. This is a move that could set your team back years Otani is great, objectively. He hit his major league leading 25th home run last night, which was also a solo shot. But man, taking on 
Anthony Rendon's contract, giving up four of your top five, six prospects, including your number one, for three months where if things keep going the way that they are in New York, I don't think they're one player away, even though Otani's technically two players in one. I don't think they're one player away. You get him for three months, you push towards the playoffs, maybe you make the wild card, you don't win the World Series, and then he walks, and you have to sit on three more years of Anthony Rendon, as well as try to refurbish your farm system that is now depleted. It is a horrible move. I don't know why it was suggested. The fact that Eduardo Escobar was traded in a much smaller move to the Angels already makes me think that executives across the league also think that this mock trade is insane. But to me, honestly, what is Shohei Otani worth? I don't think the Angels trade him. He has been the most valuable player in the American League. He's a big part of the reason that they're in the division race. And if you trade him, the fans will riot. If you were in last place, I don't think the fans would riot, but you're in contention. The fans will riot. You will lose season ticket holders. You will have less sold-out crowds. It is just inevitable there. You have to try to win. I think that's why they brought in a veteran like Eduardo Escobar, who's been very good in the past. Maybe a change of scenery helps him, going from a team that's middling to a team that's pushing for the playoffs. He could make a difference there. But Shohei Otani, when you're trading for a top-of-the-line starting pitcher, you have to give up a lot. When you're trading for a top-of-the-line bat, you have to give up a lot. What team has done that recently? The Washington Nationals traded Max Scherzer and Trey Turner to the Los Angeles Dodgers. And in that trade, they had to give up two of their top five prospects, and Washington got some other minor prospects in the deal. To me, that's a little bit more reasonable. But in that case, when they did that, Scherzer was a three-month rental, but you got another year and a half, I believe, of Trey Turner as well. I think that this is a trade that is more reasonable to look to. I don't think anybody, no matter how bad they want Shohei Otani, if they're already pushing over the luxury tax, they're not going to also take on the risk of getting stuck with the bag with Anthony Rendon. It doesn't matter how much money you spend. If you spend it unwisely and your team is 34 and 31, like the New York Mets currently are, you can't afford to be taking on more risk. It was a blessing in disguise that Carlos Correa's medicals failed and that they didn't have his production for that price tag on their roster currently. Maybe they'll be able to be in the Shohei race this offseason because of it. But I don't see any way where you trade a young player that's shown potential in Brett Beatty, who is a top five prospect in your system, along with three current, uh, four t- current top six prospects, and take on Anthony Rendon's deal as well. Marte and Renfro, one's a little speedier, one has a little more pop. But th- those guys, I think that's the kind of trade that could happen. I appreciate you guys listening. As always, I'm about to head over to the Bench Clear Media channel to check out Hobby Palooza this weekend. I know a lot of you are as well. I really appreciate those of you who stopped in and checked out the episode this week. I will be keeping you guys updated with my Immaculate Grids, the solo shots hitting the big leagues, and my other baseball takes 
on Twitter at DominicMan44. So follow there for more. Have a happy Solo Shot Saturday, and I will catch you guys in the next one. Peace.